The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host. Now, here's a little story I've got to tell about Robert Winfrey you know so well. It started way back in history with Ad-Rock MCA and me, Mark Rattledge. I had a little horse named Paul Revere. Just me and my horsey and a quart of beer. Riding across the land, kicking up sand. Sheriff's posse's on my tail because he's in demand. One lone Robert Winfrey he be, all by himself without nobody. The sun is beating down on his baseball hat. The air is getting hot. The beer is getting flat. He's looking for a girl. He ran into Mark Rattledge. He said, my name is Robert Winfrey. I said, howdy. He said, hi. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Winfrey. Yay! You know, I'd love to say that none of that's accurate. <laughs> you know, and I know that's both a, that's a lie. But there's 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 a shocking amount of accuracy in the way you adapted that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I've also never heard that song, so for whatever that's worth. Uh, you've never heard. Yeah, well, you're not a huge fan of the Beastie Boys. Uh. You know, if if you'd been able to put the music to it, I would have recognized Sabotage right then, but no. Okay, but that was Paul Revere. Yeah, Sabotage is what I said. Okay, got it. Intergalactic. Terrific. Yeah, Sabotage. Right. They've only got right. the one song, Mark. We all know right. this. Yes, Fight for Your Right to Party. Yeah, Sabotage. Came right, on the okay. other day in the car. I thought of you. Did you? You were thinking of me? I like that you think of me. You should text me when you think of me. I don't have your phone number. You don't have mine, and I like it that way. <laughs> on Messenger. I don't have Facebook on my phone. What are we talking about tonight, jerk off? <laughs> How the Beastie Boys have released one song, and for some reason people are confused <laughs> by this. Uh-huh. What else? Well, t- tonight on Damn You Hollywood, once we get done with our chicanery, <laughs> we will be dealing with the Netflix... Uh, premiere movie uh a gothic murder mystery starring christian bale the pale blue eye yes sir the pale blue eye is a 2022 american mystery thriller film written and directed by scott cooper adapted from the 2003 novel of the same name by lewis bayard scott cooper um before this did antlers 
uh before that pretty, the, which is pretty darn good actually yeah i heard i mean antlers came out in 2021 and everything that came out in 2021 was kind of a hit and miss mostly miss and and that was in terms of whether or not people saw it because we were still dealing with the aftermath didn't of the antlers set didn't Antlers <clears throat> technically set some obscure record like by just being the movie that was released <laughs> maybe um, it, it, it was i think it was like technically the number one movie for the longest period of time just because nothing else came out <laughs> Antlers grossed 10.6 million in the United States and Canada, 8.2 in other territories for a worldwide total of 18.9. Antlers was released in 2,800 theaters for its opening weekend alongside the release of Last Night in Soho, which we reviewed, and the experience yeah, of the yeah, Dispatch, which we also reviewed, just not you and I, nor was it in the theaters when we did it. It debuted with a domestic weekend total of 4.3 million, finishing six at the box office, and in its second weekend, the film dropped 54% to 2 million and remained in the top 10 for its first three weeks. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see where it broke any records here. At least I don't know. it, it, it was some. I think it was some quasi obscure record that it broke. But but prior to that, he had directed, um, he had written, directed, and produced Hostels, also with Christian Bale. Uh, he oh right, 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 right. He directed and produced Black Mass with Johnny Depp. Uh, he also eh. did Out of the Furnace and Crazy Heart. Out of the Furnace is pretty good. He and Bale do a lot of work together. Yes. Uh, he's also an actor. He was in Get Low, For a Sale by Owner, Gods and Generals, Austin Powers. So um, Scott Cooper. He's got a pretty decent filmography here with, uh, I think Antlers was pretty well received, um, as was Hostels and Black Mass. So again, he's not a slouch. Um, nope. The film features an ensemble cast that includes Christian Bale of the Dark Knight fame. Uh, Harry Melling, Gillian Anderson, who was one of the two people in the the uh, the X Files, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was not the dude. Um, Lucy not Bolton. David Duchovny featuring not David Duchovny <laughs> of the X Files. <laughs> so the X Files featuring David Duchovny and not David Duchovny. Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg, Toby Jones, Harry Lottie, Simon McBurney, Timothy Spall, and Robert Duvall. Um, and then Robert will tell you about the plot in just a moment. The, the Pale Blue Iris released in cinemas on December 23rd before its streaming release on Netflix January 6th, which was the same day that Megan was released in theaters uh, by Netflix. It has received mixed reviews. All right, so I don't have a lot of preamble for this tonight, to be honest with you. It Not was one much. of those ones where it was, uh, it was January, and I was telling, I was just talking to uh, Neil from, uh, Neil Blackwell from Movies That Don't Suck and Some That Do, before I was social, before I was forced to be social at gunpoint, we used to do a lot of triple features, and that was my place to do the streaming movies. And had I not done that, half of my top ten list would not – I wouldn't have seen those movies. So, like, Fret, X. X was in theaters, but I saw it when it was PVOD. Yeah. Um, a couple of other ones, because you know, had I not been doing triple features, I wouldn't have seen those movies, and I wouldn't have known how good they were. And I thought, And I had kind of a, like, almost like an anxiety attack about it. Like all DMU Hollywood is pretty much set for either, you know, Tuesday or the off Monday or Wednesday, almost every single week until the end of the year, save a few weeks in September to catch up on some of the August streaming movies, like the one with Gal Gadot that's coming out for Netflix. <laughs> and then Jason kind of hit me up about something. And so I scheduled something with him with a couple of streamers that I was interested in, like Boston Strangler on Hulu and Sick, which is currently on Peacock, not a real service. All not of really. this to say that 
I got to figure this out and figure out how to get more streaming titles because we don't have time for them on Daniel Hollywood. I don't want to do multiple movies per show. Um, but it's hard when you're when you're making yourself only do one or two shows a week to find extra time to do all the streaming movies. But and maybe this is worth talking about. Some of these streaming movies are you know really worth reviewing and talking about because there's a lot yeah. of hidden gems out there. Some of them definitely are. Uh in fact, this one, um, spoiler alert for my thoughts on the film in total, uh, this is the best movie I've seen all year. In the year of our Lord 2022 or 2023? 2023. Okay. <laughs> I can't say it's the best thing I'd seen, like, if we include 20. Best thing I've seen in the last, like, three months, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a solid picture. Um, yeah, I just, it's it's one of those where... A lot of really, really good movies that are worth talking about and will end up on a year-end best-of list, they go right to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, yeah. Peacock, not a real service. Um, or H not really HBO Max anymore because David Zaslov said, no, sir. Uh, House yeah, Party, get that shit out of here. I saw House Party, by the way. I'm sorry. It was funnier than it had any right to be. You would have hated okay. it. I, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me ask you. A, let me ask it this yeah. way. Yeah. If you're not someone who fetishizes black people the way that no, you do. No, it sucks then. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just cut you off right there. If you don't infantilize black people, you're going to hate this movie. If you're like me, oh, you're like my wife. I told my wife, uh, we were supposed to do a rum distillery tour. And she was like, I'm cold. I'm tired. It's dark out. There are wolves after me. I don't want to go. Can we do this <laughs> another night? I'm like, okay, well, do you just want to cancel date night or just watch something at home? She was like, no, I want to go out. Why don't we go see a movie? And I'm and I don't want to go and I one half of what's out there she wouldn't want to go see in the first place. The other oh. half are stuff I just don't want to go see and I don't want to see a second time. So I'm looking at what's available. You don't want to go see Avatar again, Mark? Nope. I don't want to live on Pandora like a psycho. Um, so you, I was, you don't care about the trials and tribulations and dramas of teenage aliens on another planet? Do you know I don't? So I gave her two choices, and these are really funny choices actually. I was like, we can need to go see House Party. Or we can go see women talking. Ugh. Your choices define you as a person. She chose House Party. <laughs> I would have chosen... Death by being run over? I was going to say, like, a car accident on the way there. <laughs> like... I would have chosen Harikari. Um, so, yeah, I... ways to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, House Party, like I said, House Party, if you're into that kind of humor, uh, was funny. Yeah, like, like I laughed. And... Humors and heavy air quotes. <laughs> Here's the thing. And we talk about this. I, I was actually telling um, somebody this today. There's a reason why we don't review a lot of comedies on this show. Comedy is extremely subjective. Yeah. And even the little bit of comedy that I did last year or the year before with Ronnie, you know, like we talked about vacation friends and some of the other streaming comedies. It's one of those where like, it's not good, but it still makes you laugh because shit is funny. John Cena screaming into the camera is still is somehow funny that doesn't make vacation friends a well put together movie you know same thing with house party house party was legitimately funny i laughed in parts she laughed in parts we had a good time we left the movie feeling better than we did going into it it accomplished its mission it's not a good movie it is not a well-made well-crafted movie it sucks but it's it, but it's funny as the parakeet just said so, you know, if you're wanting, and that's the thing, and that's the other reason why we also don't talk about a lot of comedies, and we talk about, we, we do more stuff like this, 
it's just not worth dissecting, you know? Yeah. I well, look, I agree. Like I'm not gonna one, you know, believe it or not, comedies are kind of a dying art in movies. Like, there's not a lot of dedicated comedy films out there anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but they're kind of uh, like they're kind of diminishing. Yeah, I'm not saying there's none, but there's a lot less. Well, I think it also, you know, as and I don't want to beat this dead horse, but you know, we talk every week about how they really have to be selective with what they're going to put in theaters. Comedies aren't a draw like they used to be. Like House Party, we, we went to go see House Party, but it was literally a fly by night last minute decision in the theater and it was like on a thursday i think it was i assume you were the only people in the theater there was like maybe one or two other people or one or two other like sets of people um comedy just isn't a draw like if we go back through the top 10 of 2022 and look and see what they are it's all i don't know i love action adventure and i think horror i laughed pretty hard at avatar i don't think i was supposed to but i did (laughs) this is not do you know that you silly guy you uh i'm a cut up so, <laughs> your card hang on real, real quick um not a comedy not a comedy not a comedy minions is funny but it wouldn't be classified yeah, as comedy. it's a family well, it's a family it's an animated family film yeah like comedy is kind of inherent to that but uh, to right. your point like okay so not a comedy not a comedy thor might have been funny to some people, but would not technically a comedy. Thor was alleged like there's there's alleged humor in Thor: Love mm-hmm. and Thunder, but just as a as a thought experiment, like I'm kind of just going down the list of 2022 worldwide releases, mm-hmm. and we're talking in terms of box office here. Yeah, in terms of box office, I mean Sonic the Hedgehog two is kind of an action comedy. Yeah, animated film. <laughs> it's a couple of different things. Um. God, I'm into I'm into the twenties. Yeah, the Lost on. City is an action comedy. It's like you know, it's an action. Okay, comedy. no, no, no. Like, I think Lost City is the first one where the the comedy is a significant portion of what's going on there. Okay, so it's the twenty fourth highest earning movie of the of the year in our Lord twenty twenty two. It's barely doing better than Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> or, was it, or was it worse than Morbius? I can't. Oh no, no, it did significantly better than Morbius by a factor of about thirty million. Okay. I mean, and, and and Morbius is funny, but it's not supposed to be. Uh, Mor- by the way, Megan has not. We we're doing the money now. <laughs> Megan has not passed Morbius yet. Ah. Um. Yet. After the Lost City, I mean, no, no. Ticket to Paradise. That's a romantic comedy. Okay, fair enough. At twenty-seven. So, so anyway, yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you, you just there's no there's no reason to all the people who would be doing that are now writing crappy sitcoms for streaming services to get canceled after one season and all the streaming services are going why is amy schumer bombing again on our streaming platform when we give her a bunch of money to film a special the other thing of it is like i said um comedies will find an audience at home like if you look at hey remember uh, hey remember uh, here's the one here's here's the one that you wanted like that we should have cited mm-hmm. uh, wasn't it like a was it Easter or Memorial Day or whatever it was remember the like the Filipino one oh yeah like Easter Sunday yeah that was set that that was released on like Memorial Day or something <laughs> yeah they moved it off of Easter for no good reason and you know and then it bombed and it's just a comedy that's that's all that is yeah um so to just wrap this up we can move on after this. I, 
you know, movies, romantic comedies, regular, just regular straight comedies, they have an audience. Like um, the one everyone's talking about now, which I'm going to watch. I'm going to end up watching it because I know somebody that wants to watch it with me. But it's not something that we would talk about. Uh, and it's found its audience on Netflix. And that is You People. You People is a comedy. You People has an audience. No one's going to the theater to see You People. But a bunch of people are watching it on Netflix. It's like, I want to say, um, looking at uh, one of the things I follow for stats, I don't remember the, the name of the company anymore. But one of the, that, that tracks, like, how things do well streaming. Like, You People did really, really well. A lot of comedies do well. Dude, because... did you see, hang on, by the by, did you see the Nielsen release of, like, most streamed shows for 2022? What was it? Well, there was not a, like, the crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think in the top, I want to say, like, in the top 12, in the top, like, 10, 20, no Disney, like, Encanto was the most streamed thing. Yeah, I did Plus. see that. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, this Friday, let me see if I can find that. Actually, hang and keep talking. Let me well, you know, that. the last thing, I, the last thing actually worth talking about is as we're saying all this. You know, what comes out this Friday? Big time comedy starring four elderly women. Like they're taking a chance on this, and eighty for Brady, I think, has its audience, but it definitely goes against the grain of what everything we just said for the past ten minutes. Okay, yeah, here we go. So our top. 20 our top 15 streaming programs for 2022 via nielsen so again take this for what it's worth stranger things ncis coco million ozark Encanto, gray's anatomy criminal minds bluey gilmore girls seinfeld supernatural wednesday heartland cobra kai and the simpsons okay you know what's not in there what's that rings of power <laughs> All you know right. what else is in it? Hang on, no, no, no. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not doing a bit. Do you know what else isn't in there? Yeah. Any Star Wars show. Do you know what else isn't in there? Marvel. Any Marvel show. Yep. They're paying a lot of money for those. Like those aren't cheap. And if they're not delivering, that's a problem. Right. Now, again, take that with whatever grains of salt you feel necessary for the. Source being cited, but yeah, that's that's not good when you can't release something new that's big budget that will outdraw like Seinfeld or freaking Grey's Anatomy. Like, you got a problem, man. You got a real problem. So, all right, the pale blue eye moving on to the movie which we are discussing, not a comedy. Oh, come on. There's some funny stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we follow predominantly Christian Bale's character. This is set in the 1830s in New York, with half the people speaking with Virginia accents for some reason. <laughs> okay, so I watched this with uh, my housemates today at 7 o'clock this morning, and um, that was like the first thing that they, when the guy playing Edgar Allan Poe starts talking... And yeah. we all just kind of looked at each other and was like, what's with the accent? I have to double check this because, believe it or not, like the, the development of the Southern accent and the way it migrated is kind of an interesting thing uh, if you're into the linguistic side of stuff, like how accents develop. Um, it did kind of develop a little bit more from like the frontier, which was not originally that far south. It was, again, this kind of like parts of upstate New York and whatnot, you know, the Hudson Valley, which is where they are. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not 
truly crazy. It's a bad fit for Edgar Allan Poe because Poe was, if memory serves, born and raised in Baltimore. Say the line. Right. <laughs> in Bmore, we aim to hit a nigga, you heard? <laughs> Any number of them would have worked. Fair enough. <laughs> I thought that's the line you were you were you setting me up for. Any of look, there's any number of lines from the wire that you could have pulled from. That's the one I kind of figured you'd go with. But <laughs> that's kind of my go-to. Yeah, like, <laughs> but the point, like, I believe that's where he was again, like, born and raised. Right. So I'm not sure why he has that particular accent. I don't think that's ever been associated with Baltimore. Um, anywho, we follow Christian Bale's character. He is a former um, constable, a lawman, and he is called into West Point to investigate a murder and post-mortem mutilation of a body uh this poor young man seems to have hanged himself and then after he was expired someone cut his heart out and the people of west point are somewhat understandably uh, distressed by this so christian bale begins poking around and why did you change your profile picture to that? To J. Jonah Jameson yelling, make it gayer? I'm just slightly curious why you made that choice. Because <laughs> that's my avatar. I'm Fair J. Enough. Jonah Jameson screaming, make things gayer. You're not, but okay. <laughs> Come on, Robert Winfrey, make this gayer. I can see that it it brings me joy to see how much that just pained you. Like I could I could hear one of your organs start to shut down. It was my left kidney. <laughs> I could feel it just go, you know what? I'm gonna help you. Out. I'm gonna help you out of this problem. <laughs> we well, all I'm... know you don't we all know you don't want to be here. Let me help. <laughs> Going on. Moving on. So with the assistance of a a one of the cadets at West Point, the aforementioned Edgar Allan Poe. He begins investigating. He starts poking around. He uncovers a group of somewhat ne'er-do-wells. Um, Poe begins looking around. There's one gentleman in particular, the son of the uh, school surgeon, the school doctor, who's a little bit on the dark side. He's a little bit, you know, a little bit out there. So they begin investigating him. They find his sister who's stricken with epilepsy and a couple of other like minor diseases of the time. Which is what happens when, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> asbestos and whatnot in the building material. You, you know those old, you know those bits of like Jane Austen novels and whatnot where someone leaves the city and just goes to the country and miraculously starts feeling better? Right. Look up the building materials for major cities at that point in time and then that's why going to the country was you get away from the actual carcinogens and whatnot that are all over the place. Um, Edgar Allan Poe begins somewhat predictably falling in love with this student. Uh, he is attacked by one of the her one of her um, other suitors. That poor boy winds up dead. One of the other boys runs off. Eventually, it comes to it is somewhat revealed that. We believe we know who killed it was it was this family you see because they're descended from a famous witch hunter <laughs> and Christian Bale discovers that these people are using black magic and they need a bunch of human sacrifices to try and cure the daughter of her ailment though so he saves Edgar Allan Poe at the last minute the two siblings with a hinted at somewhat incestuous relationship it's hinted 
His incest is so hot right now, you understand, Mark. Yes. Thank you, Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, he ain't wrong. I mean, really, I blame George Lucas. <laughs> he is he is really history's greatest monster. He's up there. <laughs> A few more years, he might surpass Mao. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But... <laughs> Another few years. <laughs> we'll see what he does. Um, they die in a fire. Everything seems to be wrapped up when Poe realizes that it was actually Christian Bale's character who killed the first student and even the second. And somewhat framed the people who died. And Christian Bale explains his motivation. His daughter, who was his last tether to reality after his wife had passed some years earlier, was attacked and... Sexually assaulted. We're not quite 30 minutes in. I can't actually use the appropriate word, so... She was sexually assaulted. She was sexually assaulted. I should just be able to say this, but, you know, the world we live in. By three boys, three cadets at West Point, and she was unable to deal with the trauma, winds up committing suicide. Bale swears vengeance, finally finds one of them, makes him confess to his contemporary... to his uh, conspirators... Hangs him, setting off the chain of events. He gets the other guy, and he beats him to death, and then castrates him, and then cuts his heart out to make it look like it was the same perpetrator. And he explains all of this and tells Edgar Allan, and tells Poe, I don't have the strength or the will to chase down the last one. I just hope he lives the rest of his miserable life in fear. And this is on you now. I will not object if you choose to turn me in. You have a piece of evidence that may or may not hold up if you seek to uh, if you seek to pursue legal recourse I will not oppose you and Poe who has kind of formed a, uh, a friendship and a str pretty strong bond with Christian Bale considers and ultimately decides not to he burns the evidence that he has and wishes Bale farewell never to never for their paths to cross again and it's strongly intimated at the end that Bale, having fulfilled his quest for vengeance, lets his daughter's spirit rest and then jumps off the same cliff she did. Implied, not actually shown. And that's it. A pretty standard, in some respects, gothic tragedy, murder mystery. It's pretty perfect. Um, it clocks... there's, a, there's a handful of issues, but yeah. It clocks in a little over two hours. Um, I'm not going to jump up and scream um, that it's too long, however... It's if another pass through editing, I think you can get it just under two hours and might not have hurt this film. The other thing I'll tell you is I want to talk about something we don't normally talk about because I feel like sometimes unless we have real issues with something, um, we tend to kind of say the same stuff. And so I don't want to go through like the litany. Like, of course, the performances were good. But here's something we don't talk about. And here's something that I think is probably the star of this picture other than the story itself, and that is natural lighting. Yes. Very, very rarely when discussing the craft elements of any movie does the discussion of natural lighting come up. And because it's a period piece, <clears throat> it's shot mostly outdoors at night. Um, uh, there were times where it's indoors, but everything is by candlelight. Yeah, and the number of candles they have to throw around the place to get the and which is how it would have been for right. the record like so, they go 
there's a lot of attention to setting detail that helps you get lost in the time period here. So I think where the the big the movie's biggest success is the aesthetic, um, and it's yeah. helped by it's really propped up by the natural lighting of any given scene. Um, it adds to the gothic flavor of the movie. Uh, cinematography, I think, is pretty spot on here. You know, when we say we talk about pretty movies, they're usually bright color palettes. You know, mm. Thor: Love and Thunder. One of the positive things uh. we talked about. One of the positive things we talked about was the color paletting. Uh, we talked about that with Avatar. Avatar was a very pretty looking movie. This is pretty, but this, but it's pretty, uh, and it's for its natural beauty. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about, I think, with like The Lion King a few years ago, uh, maybe another movie recently that's escaping me. Uh, Bullet Train. That was another one with really bright color color paletting. Yeah, you know, being able to make use of your natural scenery. This was obviously shot on location, which I can tell can you. We- for- can we take half a second here mm-hmm. and appreciate the fact that there's that everything on this movie is something the actors could interact with? <laughs> go ahead, I, I go ahead and speak on it because I know like that's big for you. It, it it's more in how much it stands in stark contrast to so much of. I'm going to pick on Marvel, but this is not a uniquely Marvel problem for the record. Okay. All right, before you do, yeah. um, I found what I was looking for. Filming began on November 29, 2021 at the historic Compass Inn in Laughlintown, Pennsylvania. Again, God praise the on-location shoot. In December, filming took place at Westminster College in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania. That month, additional cast members were announced. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so, yeah. again, natural lighting, natural sets, taking, making use of the natural beauty of any given area. You don't have to have beautiful vistas to have a beautiful scenery. Like, this movie is gorgeous, and it's in like you know the dead of winter. It's at, very, at, it's very in Baltimore, stark in, in Maryland. It, it, it's very stark, mm-hmm. right? But it is beautiful in that respect. And again, like I'm not trying to just pick on Marvel. You know, Avatar is nothing but hey, interact with. We're gonna put the tennis ball on the stick and interact with it. Right. And nothing but that. Can, can we? And can please, we, I'm gonna, I'm gonna and, jump and, in one second right. because because I, I think. We, you and I keep kind of pointing at it. We keep kind of picking up and putting it down. But let's really fully embrace this idea of films feel realer when the film is real. Yeah. As opposed, million percent. As opposed to these sort of live action animated films that we're getting that feel like a fucking uh, hallucination almost. You know, there's there's a bit that when everything is that CGI'd. You know one of the things you actually lose? Like you lose the improv of the actors. Yeah. Like there's moments when actors want to do things that are not necessarily in the script that are physically that are physical. Picking up an object, putting down an object, rubbing your hand across a table, leaning against something. You can't if you're if you you're can't lean on the CGI box. And if you're really angry, you know, you pick something up and you throw it and you can't do that when what you're picking up might be real, but you're throwing it into a green screen. Right. Like there's, there's a real lack of physicality to so much of this, to so many yeah. modern movies. And again, like it's easy to point at Marvel because they're maybe the most obvious offender, but they're not alone. Like this is, I, I'm not trying to just pick on them for the sake of picking on them. Well, look at like the Fast and the Furious movies now. Yeah. 
I mean, we're doing a lot of stunts, a lot of practical stunts, but it's it's a heavy mix of practical stunts and CGI. It's to the point where C- it's much more CGI than practical. <clears throat> to the point where now even the Fast and the Furious movies, which had a grit to them, first two or three point. movies when they were when it was about street racing and ripping people off, and st- when it was about street racing and ri- and stealing shit, had a, had a grit to them, had a, had a had a realistic feel. You could almost smell the cars and everything and you know and the burnt rubber and all of that by the time we get to the fast and the furious in space it's a cartoon now there's no yeah. there's nothing real there's nothing that feels real about this and even doing like the the tarzan swing stunt it was fun to watch you and i talked about that but i mean it was ridiculous and you knew it was phony yeah and this movie's the exact opposite in the sense that it's very very real you know, everything about it is real, mm-hmm. and you can't fake that. Like there is something about it that translates. The pale blue eye is seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. Please don't. <laughs> I say that because I have I like that annoying individual is actually in MLW at the moment, so I wind up covering a bunch of his stuff. I have to tolerate him. Okay, no, that hurt you personally. He does hurt me personally. Look at him. Look at him. At him. Uh, um, but the perform- performances are good. Christian Bale is great. Can we, guy- can we take a second? About Hang on. This? The, real quick. The, <clears throat> uh, Harry Melling, who plays Edgar Allan Poe, mm. he is absolutely the fucking star of this thing. And it was pointed out to me, and I'm just now remembering this, he's Dudley in all the Harry Potter movies. What an actor he turned into. Good for him, man. Like... Uh, Couple of things he's been in. Well, okay, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. That yeah. explains the accent because if you, if you ever, and I mean this, mm-hmm. if you ever ask a British person to do an American accent, they default to Southern. So he's in the Old Guard. He's in Say Your Prayers, The Devil All the Time, The Tragedy of Macbeth, uh, and Please, Baby, Please. So he's you know, and he's also on The Queen's Gambit, His Dark Materials, and the. Uh, uh, as far as major television roles, that's what he's got there. Um, one episode of his dark materials, and then he's in a couple of episodes of the Queen's Gambit. So he's turned into a pretty solid actor, and I think this is a standout. I think he'll get work from this. This this one is a pretty hope. standout performance for him. Yeah, he does real good. Yeah, he. I would um, say like Christian Bale's no slouch, and Christian Bale's a good actor, and not that he detracts well, from the film in any way. I wanted, but I feel like if Edgar Allan Poe isn't working, the film doesn't work. Well, what works is their relationship, and I'm going to talk about sure. that separately for just a second. But um, it's nice to be reminded that Christian Bale is a very good actor. Why do you say that? Well, because the last thing most people saw him in was with like 40 pounds of makeup on his face and Taika Waititi going, do whatever you want. Oh, I don't think anyone holds Thor Love and Thunder against him. I don't think they should either, but I'm saying it's nice to be reminded of the fact that, yes, this man can legitimately act. You know, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but that's only if you don't see other Christian Bale movies. I mean, he was in the big short. He was the he was Batman. Um, he's been in a bunch of different things, a, lo- a lot of which we might not have even covered. Hang on. One hang or on. Another. Look, you're going to make me make <clears throat> your point now. Do I do you want me to make your point? Please go ahead. This is your general point about movies like this. If people don't see it, does it really happen? Sure. So well, if you're most... lying about like it's reminding people as if anyone, I don't think any Christian Bale's done anything that would tell them he's been he's not a good actor. He's not Tom Hanks. 
Tom Hanks of late has been in stuff where you would think like he's not a good actor. No, no, he is. Check out this other thing he did. You know, Again, like, look, Thor: Love and Thunder did serious harm to his reputation, to Bale's I reputation in that respect. That's making, not his fault. I think that's your, that's you. No, <laughs> that's not just that's not just me. Like, I don't mm. mind I don't mind being the one saying it, but that's not just me. You really think people walked away from Thor: Love and Thunder thinking Christian Bale's a bad actor? I know people that did. Okay, if you know people that, just like I know people who think Velma's a good show. If yeah. you know people who walked away from Thor: Love and Thunder saying Christian Bale's this, Christian Bale's shit, I'm not arguing with you. I'm we'll, not. We'll, look, I can see not, the. I can see the point. I, I'm not. It does not speak well of these people that I know. But I know <laughs> them. Right, did I mention I know somebody thinks Velma's a good show? I mean, you, uh, you know, you tank should, easy. And you should not know them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, then they'd be homeless. Um, How is that your problem? Could please move this on. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's talk for just a minute here, all right? Mm -hmm. um, you and I had a brief discussion offline the other day. We've had many. Um, Which one are we talking about? Well, I'll get to it. About the struggles of modern Hollywood portraying men. Sure. Especially, especially... <laughs> Hang on, we spent the better part of last year talking about that. We did, but it came up again. Mm -hmm. And especially as it relates to the average big-budget, wide-release film. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of appropriate understanding of male characters. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of very, very bad examples of male relationships. This movie is an exceptional example of male bonding yes. and what that looks like. Agreed. And... That need, I, I really need to give praise to that because it's so rare to find it in movies these days. To have just two male characters who become close friends through adversity. And what that looks like. And here it's, you know, it's a little bit of mutual trauma. It's a little bit of, you know, Christian Bale is alone in the world. Edgar Allan Poe is mostly alone in the world. Like he talks about how his mother passed and his somewhat connection to like, you know, his issues of looking, uh, you know, seeing people in his dreams who are dead. And, you know, that you know, like, there's a little bit, there's hints of the supernatural in this movie that they leave ambi uh, ambiguous enough. So, and he and Christian Bale just kind of find kindred spirits in one another. And there's this, the entire final scene between them and Bale's cabin is just tremendously done. Yeah. There's, but, but I think it's not just Christian Bale and um, Dudley Dur Dursley. I think the scenes of Edgar Allan Poe bonding with the guys gambling. That's good. <clears throat> when he, when he delivers essentially a very long, dirty limerick. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I watched it and it was a standout scene for me because, you know, I'm sitting there and, and to your point about, the tendency to not portray men flatteringly or accurately. Like there was a disc. Okay. So I'm going to relate this back to the discussion we had uh, last Thursday when it was me, Andrew and Jesse talking generation kill about the use of language and cutting up amongst Marines in the, you know, and we talked about, you know, locker room language and just guys jostling each other. And you and I have talked about that oh, yeah. a lot last year. You know about just the way men interact with each other 
Well, uh, if you'll recall a few years ago in the uh, Magnificent Seven remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we a, talked about it too. Talked, because there's a couple of great... It's one of the things that um, I believe the director for that is Antoine Fuqua. Mm-hmm. Fuqua gets how men bond and how men yeah. are with each other. Like it, it, even in something like... It, he did a King Arthur version starring Clive Owen predominantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the only good things I can say about that movie is there's a bunch of scenes of the Knights of the Round Table. Mm-hmm just being close combat brothers that is that is incredibly true to how people are there is a lot of literature being written right now a lot of articles about the lack of like male friends you know i was recently talking to my wife is part of a group chat uh that dedicates itself to a particular interest that she has it's her business i don't want to get into it um but i was thinking about how often she's in your group you don't feel like no no no. i i have no problem humiliating her i'm Um, aware (laughs) but giving away something that they oh so so if okay so if this were her furry group you wouldn't have any problems (laughs) saying it but um (laughs) no she has this group chat don't worry about it group chat group of friends yep and we were talking about like how often she's in the group chat and how, how much she talks in it and what great benefit it has for her. And I said, you know, if you take the subject matter out of it um, and the the general interest that she has in a particular uh, hobby and you just say group chat of friends, I realize that I have the same thing and I've had it for years. Like I, I initially created our podcast group chat as a way of communicating in case I died of cancer and I needed to get the word out real quick. Um, I don't think I'll make the show on Monday. <laughs> yeah. so, sorry, somebody's somebody's yelling at us from our from our chat uh, to say that we did start the show earlier. So because she has to go to bed now and she, she can't watch the whole thing. Sorry, we were late tonight. Um, anyway, uh, I, I realized that I, I created this community of people just by virtue of the fact of these are all the people I podcast with and I podcast but with about a dozen different people. And I was like, I'm going to put them all in this group chat so I can communicate with them. And then once like the cancer went, you know, my issue of having to talk, you know, communicate what to do with the show in the light of me not being able to make it for one reason or another went away. It just became a place for us to talk entertainment. It's it's a it's a group chat of friends talking about movies and television and like the finer points of it and, and comics and whatever yeah. crosses our mind. Right. So you look you you created a you created a separate group chat for about five of us and said take your fight nonsense over here. <laughs> it's true. My point my point being, in that group chat we jostle each other. Short short of the handful of people that legitimately don't get along and just kind of try to stay out of each other's way, for the most part, me, you, Jason, Bailey, Dude, you can Pat. go in there. You could go. I could go into that chat right now and I could tweak Bailey about the Eternals. Anyone can. That is low-hanging fruit. I'm just saying, like, that's the example. That's that's an example. But, like, I give Evan shit when he makes stupid jokes. Like, you know, like... And he makes a lot of jokes. And everything is a joke. (laughs) My point is, like, relating back to the central topic of, well, how do men talk to each other? That Our group chat's a great example of that. I I mentioned this on the Generation Kill show. Bailey and I give each other shit all the time, and we're not gentle about it. You know, ba- Bailey comes in and he purposely starts a fight. Like he's he's like a, he's like a woman who's had a bad day. He purposely goes into the group chat. It was just like, you know what? 
Yeah, you know, and he'll just say some dumb shit and it like get us all arguing with each other, and then he just walks away as everything's on fire, very pleased with himself. <laughs> and when he tweaks me a particular way, I usually will call like tell him to go fuck himself, you know, or call him fuck face or whatever. Like I ha- like, but that you and I when we're not legitimately arguing, you and I will jostle each other. You fucking oh, give yeah. me shit on this this show all the time, and I you know, and then I as often as you, I can, and, and then I you know. <laughs> And then I marry you off to random reviewers, or I or I introduce you via rap lyrics because I know it annoys you. You know, like I, I would have to like look. I'd be I'd be much happier with your with your choice of rap lyrics if they weren't all from sabotage. But you know, <laughs> um, it, it, what we're doing now. This is how men talk to each other, and it and it's. And it's seen you here. Assume my gender. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is seen here. Shut up. Um, in the pale blue eye. <laughs> it is seen in those scenes in the pale blue eye of the guys yeah. cutting up, letting their hair down, decompressing, getting away from the um, the conservative and strict nature of cadet life and cutting up with each other. And what does one, you know, and Edgar Allan Poe does a journey limerick pu- because it's You're a published to- poet. I demand a public reading. Very well, sir. Yep. And, and penis and dicks and vaginas. Here we go. <laughs> Because that's funny. I mean, I believe the final stanza of that poem is I I pursued her, subdued her, and screwed her. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it is. It's funny. Uh, it's a funny, because, harmless little... Because what I have to remind people on an ongoing basis is why Why do you say such things? Because it's fucking funny. That's why. <laughs> Anything else about the movie? Um, just, Somewhat related to that last scene in the cabin, there's a couple of points that just because acting is important. There's a moment when uh, when Edgar Allan Poe burns the evidence that he has. He, um, he has uh, parts of a letter that were found on one of the dead bodies and an actual letter for, that he knows comes from Christian Bale's character and the handwriting is identical. Now, whether or not that constitutes legitimate forensic evidence in the 1830s, I think is something of a point for historical, for litigious historians. And I, I'm not a history. I'm not a historian of law, but it also might have. <laughs> and when he burns it, there's a moment when Bale sees this and he just breaks down. And it's it's not overly dramatic. It, it's a dramatic moment, but he's not you know he's not hamming it up. He's not overacting it. It's just this really quiet moment, and he's just sitting in a chair, and he just loses it for a moment Mm -hmm. and then near the end when poe is leaving and he doesn't even finish his last line to bail because bail one of the things he says is you know the last little bit that we've been doing this i've started to wonder if only you'd been the one that found my daughter walking home from that event what might have happened And it chokes him up a little bit, and Poe can't even fully respond. He just says like half of two sentences. He starts a sentence like twice, and then just can't finish. And it, the emotion of that scene is all over his face. It's all in the acting, and then it's right before he leaves. And I just wanted to draw attention to, again, this, this is a really good movie, again, about male bonding and about the deeper relationships that men form because there's 
there's a lot of assumptions made by a lot of writers who either don't have the talent to express their life experience or don't have those experiences to begin with. And which one of those it happens to be will vary. But this movie absolutely gets that right. And that needs to be said and needs to be brought up. Last thing I want to say positively, uh, the music in this is done by Howard Shore and is very good. Um, you don't know who Howard Shore is. He did the music for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Among other things, yeah. He's he's a <clears> professional. <throat> There's segments of this, um, of this soundtrack that gave me um, Silence of the Lambs vibes. I imagine he cribbed, he took inspiration from that. Um, there's other stuff that's really nice, natural music to the time period. Uh, this is an, another great thing about this movie. It's a wonderful period piece. Like this is how you make a period movie. So, the acting's good. The setting's all very good. the The physical space is good. You mentioned the light, the natural lighting, like you mentioned, is tremendous. The story. It takes a couple of weird turns that makes sense when you're in the movie. And I don't mean this as a negative because when you're in, when I say they fall, they don't fall apart when you think about them so much as the logic that is taken requires you to be in the right emotional headspace. Like if you take a step back from this and go, wait, what made him think about this is the question about whether or not the daughter's a witch. Right? Yeah. Now, Said in 2023, that's a stupid sentiment. <laughs> as a, as something again, as a period piece in the 1830s, that's a much more serious, like that's a believable line of thought and inquiry. That would be taken seriously. So when when I say that it takes a few odd turns that you have to be in the right space for, it it's not that you're trying to make excuses for the story because it you're trying to pretend it's not dumb. It's no, this is a story about people in a specific time period and they think about things differently then. You know, there's, uh, which is another, another thing I appreciate about this movie. There's, there's a lot of attempts and I've complained about this. You've complained about this. When people make uh, pseudo period pieces, they try to contemporize everything. You know, how do the people, you know, how would, Okay, we're going to set this movie in the antebellum south. Okay. So, the N-word. No. No N-word. <laughs> Not only that, but, you know, everyone's yeah. got some serious moral issues with slavery. No, they don't. Like, Or, you know, the woman king, which is utter ahistorical nonsense. Yes, this kingdom. You mean the kingdom that in actuality was responsible for enslaving the vast majority of its neighbors and was the largest exporter of slaves? No. Good kingdom. <laughs> Doesn't like slavery. <laughs> okay, mm. nonsense. But or the other one that the other one that kills me. And this this genuinely gets to me a little bit about uh, historical pieces. Somehow you still have your diversity quotas met. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have nothing against diversity, but if you know what, let's tell the story of the pilgrims. Okay, so there's an Indian, a Chinese guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> like. No. There's inclusion, and then there's, I and I, I don't want to go off on a tangent with this because we'd be here for another hour discussing yeah. this. But I think the problem with the modern debate is that when you raise a perfectly good objection to something, you, you the counter is that's racist. I make fun of it constantly. I do it to people just as a joke, 
you know, there's, pe- there's people out there who do it in earnest, and they're so the worst, like they're some of the worst people, but they exist. So I guarantee you, we're gonna find. I haven't looked at the Rotten Tomatoes thing, but I guarantee you, there's somebody in there that complained there wasn't enough black people in this, and it's like, right, because it's fucking West Point in the 1830s. It, it, not uh, yeah, like I'm sorry, there's just not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a very well represented demographic right. at the time. What do you and, want me to do? If you, if you do, here's what I was gonna say. There's a lot of people who get lumped into like the neck beardy, anti woke, you know, category, incels, that sort of thing that raise perfectly legitimate arguments. I, I think about our friend Pat, and you know, and Pat's thing is I have no problem with inclusion, I have no problem with minorities. P- use them appropriately as you would any character. Don't make the fact that they are a minority, I think we said this on the last show, their entire personality. Yeah, th- that's an insult to that's an insult to those people. That- Look, it's tokenism, and it right. should be insulting. So, you know, f- so when somebody raises a perfectly good objection of, hey, this forced inclusion in this period piece is really unnecessary and insulting and, you know, and makes the movie crap, there is no counter argument to that. The ca- you know, your ca- when your counter argument especially is like, well, we need more black people in films. It doesn't really matter if you're talking about 18th century, you know, Baltimore or, uh, you know, first century China or you know the in the year of our lord 2050 like no (laughs) this stuff matters authenticity matters and it should not be a slave to forced inclusion yeah forced inclusion doesn't help anybody forced inclusion forced inclusion doesn't help minorities be seen as equal it only makes the fact that they're unequal perceived as unequal that much worse all right, want to talk about the money or, or lack thereof? Well, you did bring up the point that now we're going to have – you're going to – you're right. We're going to find somebody whose main objection to this movie is <laughs> where's the people of color? Yeah, this is, I, I didn't see a gay person in this thing. This movie um, was – or or like why couldn't there have been a gay scene between Christian yeah. Bale and yeah, – You not, know there's going to be – Not enough sex between Edgar Allan Poe and Christian Bale's character. Not enough sex between a grown widower and a teenager in West Point. Right. I mean, it was so romantically lit with all those candles that they were just asking for it. I'll, oh, okay. Now, here's my last thing, and I get that this mm. is fiction. But there's a perpetual myth that Edgar Allan Poe was a drunk. It's a okay. myth. He was not a drunk. He was actually allergic to alcohol. Was he really? Huh. Yeah. All right, folks. With that said, that is our review of The Pale Blue Eye. Here comes... Very, um, I think I said very good movie. Glad I saw it. Yep. Not not unhappy we're ta- we threw it on the schedule. Here comes the money. We're in the money. We're in the money. All right. Uh, so this was a streamer, which means there is really no money to be had. There's no budget. However, um, we are, you know, as, as this show has evolved, we still decide to talk about how the weekend went. Avatar, seventh week in a row. What did we decide it was going to be? It was going to, it was, it knocked the cabin, had an outside shot of doing it. But if it's not knocked the cabin, it's definitely Ant-Man. Yeah. Again, uh, knock at the cabin, outside shot. Again, we're, we're it only made like 15 million. So we're below 20 million. Knock at the cabin might have a 20 million opening. Yeah. Out, again, might. Yeah. Ant Man, definitely. I, you know what's funny though? What if 80 for Brady is the number one movie of the weekend with a $20 million opening? I I'll will laugh. I, I have a few people I know who hate Tom Brady and it will amuse me to bring this up. Here's what I'll tell you. Um, 
So I told you, I think last week, because I'm Hotsy Totsy and, you know, and I'm in demand for all the socials. Uh, I got asked by a few different people to go take them to see 80 for Brady. And uh, so I went please, looking. Please tell me you had a degree of self-respect and said, absolutely not. I don't like you that much. I, hi, I'm Mark. If we met and she's hot. Um, so I, <laughs> not going to say it <laughs> anyway. Um, so I went looking for other times because I'm like book solid this entire weekend and into next week. Like, my, so every- how much, okay. Mm-hmm. Ballpark this for me. Yeah. How much extra money are you spending a month being social? Oh, buddy, we have to talk offline. Um, <laughs> that much, huh? Because my, I, what I woke up to this morning, I, absolute nightmare. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. You, you live in a nightmare of your own creation. You ain't kidding. Anyway, um, the point being, I went looking for extra show times to, to take to, to go see 80 for Brady before people, its actual release this Friday. People and, seem to be trending that that like there's people I know who are legitimately excited for that. I wish them well in their they, di- they're doing. There was a ladies night showing early in the week there. I'm going to see it Thursday night, um, but but I'm that's just an early screener. There was like a Wednesday showing. There was something else where it was. they're doing the point of me bringing all of this up was. They're doing a bunch of extra showings all week long of 80 for Brady. As a matter of fact, there was one Sunday because my son actually said that he wanted to go see it. I don't know why an eight-year-old boy wants to see four old women try to sneak into the Super Bowl. But apparently this movie, beyond me, has some greater appeal that I could not see. To the point where I almost reconsidered like reviewing that instead of Knock at the Cabin. But I'm not going to do that to you. No, 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 I love you. I'm not going to do that to you. But I, But it's like... I have I always have this lizard brain about our show about like we should be talking about what's trending. And I think that's gonna be 80 for Brady. It's not gonna be knocking it's not gonna be I'm not trying to I've the way I've started seeing people like talking about that movie, yeah. I'm with you. Like I, I think that's gonna be the weekend winner. Like I don't know where the the interest in that comes from. I, I mean that. Like it, I don't get it at all. Mm-hmm. But people are excited for it. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny to go back to our, our initial conversation about comedy doesn't sell in the theaters unless it's four old women trying to sneak into the Super Bowl and Tom Brady's involved. What a weird collection of elements that makes that movie a success. You, It appeals. I don't know who that appeals to other than the old demographic, which used to be like the primary driver of ticket sales. It apparently appeals to fucking middle aged women like like women about, no, over the age of middle aged. Women above the age of 30 and eight-year-old boys. I don't understand it. You're going to have to have a long conversation with your son at some point in the near future. <laughs> have you seen the TikTok of him jousting? I have to talk to him about a great many things. I'm, I have not, no, I do not, I am not on the TikToks, Mark. Okay. I, I, I do not engage in that frivolity. Anyway, Avatar, seven weeks in a row, the number one movie, um, and has made over $2 billion. Puss in Boots, uh, in the number two. At, at six weeks is in the number two spot. Yeah, something that's called, doing pretty good. Something called Pasan, which I guess is some sort of Indian film, debuted at number three. A Man Called Otto went up a spot from five to four. Megan dropped from three to five. Missing four to six. Plane six to seven. Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist, debuted at eight. Infinity Not, I'm Pool. a little surprised they're still making those movies. The, uh, the Left Behind series, which is a series of books I actually rather enjoy. But I'm surprised they're still making the movies. So remember, I was talking about like I gotta make time to make to watch like movies that 
are a little on the indie side, a little, you know, that are eventually going to be PVOD or streaming or whatever. Mm. Yeah. So Mia Goth is in Infinity Pool, and I really want to see it just because Mia Goth is in it. Though I'm I hearing, don't know who that is. Uh, she was in X and Pearl. Don't know who that is. Okay. Um, but I'm getting like weird reports about Infinity Pool. Um, some are saying it's amazing. Some are saying it's like the worst piece of shit ever. Uh, yeah. Kind of, mo- most of the the stuff I've seen has been has been trending more negative on it. Yeah. The Wandering Earth 2 debuted at 10. Uh, Billie Eilish, Live at the O2, number 11. Fear Oof. debuted at 12. That's why we didn't review it, everyone. <laughs> no. I, I know a couple of people who have seen and who have seen Fear, and they have nothing good to say about it. Um, maybe I do debuted at 19, close at 26. Hey, good for, hey wait, wait. Everything Ever All at Once got a re-release around Oscar season. It came back in at 13. Hey, House Party, a movie I saw last week, dropped from 7 to 18 in three weeks. <laughs> Here we go, Zaslav. Here we go. <laughs> what a brilliant idea this was. But, I, 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 you know, just to go back to House Party for a second, there's no, fucking way, there's no fucking way anyone sober. <laughs> uh, oh, man, thought, we messed up the koala. I thought putting house party in theaters was a good idea and it's showing like i guess they figured well we made it we don't want to support the streamer anymore just put it in theaters and see how we do you did poorly son you did poorly not a good decision yeah so all of the like best picture contenders got looks like they got some re-releases or some bumps for the yeah a lot of the theaters are doing like marathons or like bump things like you know come in and see the 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 best picture stuff which that always happens yeah Uh, i'm just noting it Mm. One fine morning debut to 36, left upside down, life upside down, lift. Life upside down, debut to 45, filmmakers for the prosecution. Sounds like our podcast. So what we should rename Damiel Hollywood, film film critics for the prosecution. Um, 46, and that's uh, that. More like um I gotta find like the appropriate com- like comic character or super group to reference for this. So I gotta mm-hmm. think about it, but I'll, I'll come up with something. All right. Well, I think we're enough weeks in that we don't have to keep <laughs> referencing 2022. So, Plane is the number one movie of the weekend. Uh, number one because movie of, in the world right now. Because of France. <laughs> <clears throat> Operation Fortune. The new guy, Richie Jam, that is not currently in the United States. So, it's all of its money is made overseas. That's at number two. Missing is number three. Pathan, number four. House Party, number five. Father and Soldier, number six. Appointment, number seven. Um, another Indian movie at eight. And then left behind nine, and then Detective Conan. I'm not reading the whole thing at number ten. Um, that's about it. I don't have anything really funny to add to this. Uh, as far as the next week, the number one, as we just discussed, the number one week uh, movie of the weekend is either going to be Eighty for Brady or Knock the Cabin by M. Shyamalan. My, I, I've I've come, like I said, I've got to come around. My hunch is that that, that Eighty for Brady takes it. I think it's worth asking since we have a little bit of time to discuss it. Um, does M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong even have an audience anymore? That's a real question. I mean, old wasn't like we talked about old, like we had issues with it, but I don't think it was objectively bad. No, our issues was the typical M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong of the, most of the movie is good. The ending makes no fucking sense. That was your, that was your, your, it, your brother has an opinion on this. He says, no, M. Night Shyamalan died after Avatar, the last airbender. He look. He went to go to his home planet and died along the way. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, I don't, I mean, M. Night Shyamalan really like hit it out of the park with those early movies like um, uh, I See Dead People. So the Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense, yeah. The Sixth Sense, Signs, a um, couple of other ones. And then I, I want to say with like The Village, he started to get silly. And then village, I don't know if he ever village start. Well, village started it. Um, there's a lot of good mm -hmm. about there's a lot good about the village. Um, the twist in that one isn't great, but like the point of the village is, isn't the twist. Yeah, and I think a lot of people missed that. Um, what was the one he did? Because um, didn't he, was he the one that did having sex with water? You're gonna have to be more specific, but I believe you're referencing <laughs> the lady in the water, which That's yes. The one. That, well, that one, no, yeah. that's not the okay. The lady in the water is not the shape of one. The shape of water is the one we keep calling. Shape of water. Nemo. The shape of water is grinding Nemo. Yes. No, that yeah. was directed by Guillermo del Toro. Okay, so then I'm thinking of the lady in the water, which also yes. nobody liked. Yeah, lady in the water. It's got a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of them. So that you know. So again, I saw the trailer for uh, Knock at the Cabin on one of my dates, and she was like, "No, thank you." you and it just made, huh? I. I mentally like i need to read the book that that's based on before but I, again i'm starting to it makes me wonder like when people are are sitting in their seats and you know, i'm talking about like the average people the people like yeah. i go on dates with um not us you know who study this stuff that they look at a movie by m night Shyamalan and his name doesn't ring out anymore he, he doesn't carry the cachet that he used to and if he's not making he something doesn't. that looks interesting which I'll, I'll tell you this knock at the cabin doesn't look interesting we're doing it because it's m night Shyamalan and batista's in it but i, I don't know if i'm I don't know if I would bother if I wasn't going to the movies weekly for this show, is what I'm saying. If we weren't reviewing it, I think I would wait for it to stream somewhere and then watch it out of mm -hmm. it, like idle curiosity. Mm -hmm. I will say, like, I'm mildly intrigued. Again, I need to read the book. That, that mm -hmm. might help my enthusiasm one way or the other. Um, like, the general premise, I think, is somewhat interesting. Like, mm -hmm. you can wring some stuff out of this. I'm a little curious how they're going to get the full like theatrical runtime out of the premise. Yeah. So, um, so, so we got for us, knock the cabin or 80 for Brady will be the number one movie of next weekend. And that'll put, that'll, that, that'll finally be the thing that beats avatar, which annoys me. Tom, because... Hang on, hang on, hang on. The goat, Tom Brady takes down avatar. I can see the headlines. Yeah, you beat me to it. Like I'm really, <laughs> I'm really frustrated at the at the, uh, not bait and switch as such, but like the clickbait, clickbaity article titles of Oh my God, eighty for Brady takes down Avatar. Avatar's been in theaters for like three months. Calm down. Yeah, <laughs> like, but this is this is look. This is the world we live in, and the world you in which you choose to participate. Just like be accurate. It it, it you know, <laughs> it's going no no. They are accurate. They're overselling it, but they're accurate. Right. Like, nothing it's else has no done it. Nothing else has. Avatar's been number one. Oh my god! Released. It had one possible. You know, Megan was like an outside shot of maybe being the number one movie of the weekend, and then after that, what else was there in fuck you not in January? The, not the look. How would you write the title then? Idle. Uh, my curiosity to you. For the first time in eight weeks, a new movie is the number one movie in the world. So, for the first time in eight weeks. Avatar is dethroned by Tom Brady. After after eight week run, after eight week run, Tom Brady dethrones Avatar at number one. That's how you would phrase it. Because <sighs> you have to phrase it this way. You have to get people engaged. You have to get them to click. 
this is what but see when i do it i get i get rolling eyes and sighing when i say andrew graham made it a threesome with me and him you know with me him and jesse for generation kill i got side-eyed well you made it weirdly sexual <clears throat> maybe that's the trick here tom, tom brady forcibly takes down avatar <laughs> tom brady <laughs> pursues subdues and screws avatar <laughs> Uh, I would see that I'm okay with that. Tom Brady now being accused because Avatar <laughs> did not consent to his takedown. <laughs> Tom Brady and Gronk tag team to take down Avatar. Tom, Tom Brady and Gronk have a threesome with Avatar. Avatar feels bad about it in the morning. Then accuses Tom. Of- no, no, I was thinking it. Don't you say it. I was thinking it. Don't you say it. Your brother, you're it again. <laughs> Tom Brady, the greatest, uh, greatest of all time on the field. Now T30 Avatar to be the greatest of the box office. Perfect. I I have an aunt who is a pretty big football fanatic. And mm-hmm. I occasionally have to razz her about Tom Brady's status in the game of football. Mm-hmm. Because she refuses to give him credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, st- she's still one of those people who's hung up on, no, Joe Montana is the best quarterback ever. I'm like, okay. Like, you, you can't talk to these people. No. Um, chance you're watching hi Dodie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway if it's not this weekend which i would be surprised by it'll definitely be ant-man ant-man is actually I yeah think, I, I, well i misread the first the first time i read this headline i misread it so i was like wait what ant-man quantumania tracking to be the best opening of an ant-man movie yeah. i thought it was like opening of a marvel movie and i'm like you're fucking shitting me no yeah you wildly misread that and to yeah. be clear I fully expect it to be the best financial oh, yeah. Ant-Man franchise. Yeah, for sure. Like, given its competition, like Ant-Man and the Wasp had the had the um, benefit of being released around the time of Infinity War. Which well, no, funny. hang on. That's actually the problem with Ant-Man and the Wasp. It came mm-hmm. out right after Infinity War. Well, no, I'm saying at that time, every everyone went to see all the Marvel movies. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm talking about a strictly box office. So, like the first Ant-Man. It does okay. Nah. Yeah, the first it, Ant-Man's okay. Financially, it does okay, but it was also like a movie mired in production issues and changing directors. Why was it? So, I, I and in Ant-Man, and I don't want to get into the same conversation that we argument that we get into in our group chat over none of the Marvel characters were popular. That they they literally created the Marvel universe out of the what was left. They didn't sell to Sony and Fox, um, and Universal, which is true. So. You know, so like Ant-Man, not a popular character, and the movie did Midland, but the second one comes out at a time where everyone's going to see all the Marvel movies, so of course it was successful. But this one is supposed to introduce the Thanos of this particular chapter in the cinematic universe. Can I just, can we just go out on a, can we just go out a little bit here and say this? Like, here's the Mm -hmm. real problem, and I'll talk about this more when I see the movie, but here's my hunch about this. One, can we just be honest that multiversal stuff is stupid? (laughs) If you insist. Okay. Everything ever all at once does multiverse stuff right. Name one other movie that does. I don't know. I mean, if your point is people should stop doing it because they don't do it well, sure, I guess. It's a, that's I just, I'm just not I'm just not as energetic about about slamming this stuff as you are. Okay, okay. No, no. I will take these things on a case by case basis. I have uh, I think multiverse stuff is generally stupid. Okay. Generally stupid. As a general rule, multiversal stuff, stupid. Okay, Rick and Morty Rick and Morty did it okay as well. But uh, Family Guy did it amazing. Eh, for the one episode where it was a bad joke. Okay, fair enough. 
But that's kind of the point. Like, mm-hmm. okay, a 30-minute episode on a cartoon. That works. Or the, again, the kind of insanity of Rick and Morty. Okay, they kind of mm-hmm. make it work. But you're also not supposed to take anything in that show seriously. <laughs> right. Trying to do like a trying to do it here again. I, I think multiverse stuff is stupid. Here's Second, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of because they're introducing the multiverse in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they're not isolating it. It's the main thrust. It's the it's the oh it's have the you Infinity not gauntlet. I'm really afraid that they're not going to be. This is going to get too unwieldy for them, and you're not going to know from one movie to the next what's real and what isn't anymore. And it's all going to be just a giant mess. It's not going to be coherent. Oh yeah, it, it's it's already kind of a giant mess. <laughs> like I mean, no, no, nothing. No, no. I, I take your point. Like to people like you and me who think about this stuff a bit, we already mm-hmm. can look at it and go, "This is kind of a mess, isn't it?" It's gonna get worse. Right. Have you have you heard the rumor about? Um, I think it's Kang Dynasty. Mm-hmm. That what they're going to do is basically the same structure as Endgame, but instead of time travel, they bounce to the multiverse. <laughs> you know, not I- kidding. Just because I know how his podcast goes, I absolutely see a segment of the population just being pantsless and hard as a rock. It sure. won't matter. It won't matter that it won't be good. The fact that they're doing it at all, we got to move on after this. But the yeah, fact yeah, that they're doing yeah. it at all, I think, is is going to be enough. So anyway, um, so up next we've got eighty for Brady slash Knock at the Cabin, then Ant Man, then co- then Cocaine Bear. Uh, we, number- we here at the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network, we stand hard and firm on the line for cocaine bear you know what um i actually missed a week because we're we're doing february 10th where the week of february 10th there isn't anything that's our oscar contenders right so the only thing in wide release it's saying here it looks like is other than the re-release of titanic is an ifc film called constant concentration that's in wide release um yeah i'm not i'm gonna double check this but i don't see anything here for february 10th of note (laughs) that's why i think i scheduled it for that week yeah that is why um hang on 2023 february 10th uh we've got oh magic mike why see box office mojo fix your shit (laughs) um so February 10th is Magic Mike's Last Dance, and then you know a, what? A streaming. Mo- then hang on, there's three streaming movies. There's Sharper on Apple TV, okay. which is directed by Benjamin Carin, starring Julianne Moore and Sebastian Stan. There's Your Place or Mine on Netflix, which is Reese Witherspoon. Ashton- <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon <laughs> and Aston Kutcher, and then Ooh. Somebody I Used to Know, which is on Amazon, directed by Dave Franco, um, written by Allison Brie, starring Allison Brie. Oh, oh, and more importantly than all that, before you see Ant-Man, go to your local Fathom Events theater and see Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, baby. Woo! Or don't. <laughs> I already got my tickets. Why? Because I want to see it. You sure about that? Oh, yeah. I'm bringing a date to this. Are you kidding me? I can't wait for this thing. It's not going to be worth it. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. They won't even list the budget on this. Oh, I'm so mad. Um, not gonna be worth it. The plot line is already up on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I hope I either want look if Cocaine Bear is not gonna be the number one movie of the year, I want it to be at least be Winnie the Pooh with Blood and Honey. I'll yeah, take no either. chance. <laughs> no chance in hell. All right. Moving on to the 
uh critical where are my buttons the critical review are you ready All right, the critical uh, score is 62%. The audience score is 70%. And the critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says, not enough minority sex. No, just kidding. Um, the pale blue eye lacks its source material's piercing gaze. But this well-cast mystery is just intriguing enough to investigate. Ugh. Audience yeah, says... You didn't, you didn't need to phrase it like that, but the sentiment's <laughs> accurate. Audience says, the story has some soft spots, but the pale blue eye... Mostly makes up for them with creepy atmosphere and some really impressive performances. Accurate. Accurate. And well-written. By whatever AI program absorbed all the all the <laughs> user feedback and then spat that out. All right. I only want to find your wives. <laughs> why, why do you... Why must you persecute me because of my religious beliefs, Mark? Uh, <laughs> come on, I want to lay Or Milana Vuchkov. Whatever you want to call her. Lola on film. If it kept its early promise of macabre deep dive into Poe's literary universe via an intricate murder mystery, this would have been an outstanding thriller. No, I think that would have been too gimmicky. Like, I've seen I've seen the gimmick Edgar Allan Poe movies. There's one starring John Cusack, I believe it's called The Raven. It's not very good. Like this is better off as it is. Eileen <laughs> Jones of the Jacobin. There's a real dearth of Hollywood adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe's work. Unfortunately, The Pale Blue Eye is far from the film that Poe deserves. Yeah, see, I disagree with that. One, adapting Poe's stuff is a lot harder than you think it is. Because Poe's stuff is mostly not long enough for a proper adaptation to film. Second, like, this movie does a great job with the appropriate atmosphere of a Poe story. So, no. Future ex-Mrs. Winfrey, Amy Nicholson of Film Week. Top credit. At which number? I mean, definitely after Lola Lamb Chops. I you know, found. You know what? I'm gonna make you write this out in lore form. Like you, <laughs> you, you have done. You have made this joke enough. I'm gonna demand that you form some kind of wiki about like how fucking you... like like the story of Cain that he dictated on Raw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then for some reason they kept attacking Pete Rose. Well, uh, I mean. I found the mystery itself a bit dull, but I like the setting of this and the character Christian Bale is playing. Thanks, Amy. Isn't that... You You get paid for this. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see here. Oh, there's our friend. Welcome hey, home. Hey, Kevin Carr. Hi, Kevin Carr. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. Kevin Carr. Back, back from your trip, back from your vacation to get away from us. <laughs> fat, a fat guy at the movies. Well-balanced cinematography adds depth to this clever mystery and offers some strong performances by Christian Bale and, Hall and Harry Melling. He's no, not wrong. He's not Hey, every he's dog has accurate. a say. Oh, Johnny Gazemonic of Fanboys of the Universe. I just like to read that one. You do, and I'm not sure why, but you do. It's probably because his last name is Gazemonic. Gay. Too serious for its own good, and with a visual palette and pace opposed to just a frozen hinterland, is not so much a whodunit as it is a why bother. Oh, yeah. Johnny Gaze. You are you are way too used to the pastel colored 
schlock fest that are peddled about willy-nilly to actually you probably didn't have a nice thing to say about the visuals and setting of the banshees of inishirin either which are genuinely quite good roger robert levin of newsday top critic newsday former newspaper a serious disappointment much like your i imagine look i imagine you're just parroting what your parents have said about you every day for like the last five years of your life what quiet skynet uh robert winfrey's grandmother weighing in susan granger of ssg syndicate not my grandmother <laughs> flora jet frosty <sighs> since writer director scott cooper fails to establish a shred of empathy for any of our of the oh, characters a bleak storytelling is a bi big slog i'm guessing she's just not a huge fan of men that would be my read as well like it look i understand that this does again this is a very male movie in a lot of respects I did have empathy for like our two major characters. Like, I don't know why you didn't. Like, that's that's a very weird thing to bring up from this. They they're not presented as overly stoic characters. They have emotion. They show them. Like, I, I don't I don't get you in that respect. Chris Joyce of Movies and Munchies YouTube. <sighs> Movies and Munchies gets to be on Rotten Tomatoes, but we toil in obscurity. Yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> The best part of the movie is the last 20 minutes. And that's not something you want to hear about a film that's over two hours long. You know, I don't agree with him that it's the best part, but that sentiment is something that is very true. It's a general. <sighs> um, where are the rest of your women? I, I didn't let him see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> They're still in the basement, huh? I don't know uh, why I go along with your chicanery <laughs> on this. <laughs> um maria latilla of why now one word this is why the children can't read it's dripping ugh, with a dark mood and atmosphere which makes it a wickedly fun watch but this isn't quite cooper's best work that's true he's done better than this um taylor baker of drink in the movies drink You're it robert drinking something swallow it whole don't you drip a drop don't you dirty daddy's carpet um, with a command. Okay. <laughs> what? Why are you constantly quoting from Anna de Armas's internal monologue during that scene in Blonde <laughs> when she's blowing Kennedy? Yeah, I've been doing that for over twenty years. That that was a joke that started with my friends watching Raw. Uh, <laughs> I'm never going to let go of it. <laughs> Which episode? Any one of them. How did, um, how did that come out of Raw? I'm just curious. We'd be watching Raw and we'd be cutting up and joking with each other. And somebody, oh, I remember how it would happen now. It would be somebody would be drinking and somebody else would make them laugh. And, oh, you know, okay. okay. And so you'd have to like now choke down whatever it was you were drinking. And okay. as soon as that would start, we would all jump up and get in that person's face and start screaming at them, insinuating that it was, you know, uh, yes, semen. Yes, your. <laughs> Your du your double entendre is not nearly as subtle as you think it is. It's subtle at all. Um, I know it's going. Don't you drop a drop? Don't you dirty daddy's carpet? And th then the person, of course, can't stop laughing because we're fucking fucking with them. Yes. And then, of course, they spit it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or drools down their face, and they're just yelling they have, "motherfucker" at us. They have now dirty daddy's carpet. <laughs> they have now dirty daddy's carpet, and they're gonna get punished. Or a or, and I don't know if you know this phrase or not, Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy podcast, they could Not get a, a screaming boy. 
Not they could gaming boy podcast. They could get a punishment. Punishment. I, I know what those are, actually. I'm sure you do, you kinky devil, you. Um, yes, <laughs> me and the kink. <laughs> we go together so well, <laughs> like two bops, you doop. Can't, Baker. You, can't you just see me wielding a ver wielding various implements? I actually could. Um, <laughs> drink in the movies with Get a command. Get me out of your head. <laughs> with a command. Nope, nope. Now you're fucking stuck there. No shirt, jeans, and you're holding some sort of impact plate implement. You are not allowed to put <laughs> me in there, Mark. Yeah, you're so shirtless. You've <laughs> so, never seen me shirtless. It's just wailing on somebody going, I fucking hate everything. It's just... <laughs> Quiet, you. No. Okay, for the record, that would be deeply irresponsible of me to go into that with that kind of emotional distress and baggage. <laughs> it's true. Being a dom is not about being a bully, um, as I was told last night. Anyway... Yeah, which is why you're a terrible Tom. <laughs> you're also not wrong. Um, <laughs> so I'm at my parents' house last weekend, or a weekend or two ago. All right. And this is after I had been to a um, lifestyle party that right. had, on that particular night, a BDSM theme. Okay. And... Uh, there was a lot of like discussions and displays and a lot of yeah, stuff going yeah, yeah. on. The usual. Yeah. And so um we're talking to one person and she uses the term impact play, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the common refrain for, you know, people who are, you know, getting beat or whatever. It's and... a self-explanatory term. I don't know why there's confusion. Like not, <laughs> that's not you. Yeah. Like th there's a lot. Yeah. It's impact play. What's that? Okay. Use your, use your brain. <laughs> Well, so I, so my, my dad, who I have, I, this isn't new. I've talked about this before. My, my dad has a long storied history of enjoying the BDSM, uh, BDSM world. And so I was telling him about it and I, I said, and I said something like, oh, there were different impact play stations around the house. And he goes, oh, is that what we're called? Beating someone's ass now? Why does everything have to be fancy? I, fucking, know, I I had to not, stop from I had to literally stop from dirtying daddy's carpet because I was drinking at the he's, time. He's not wrong. Look, <laughs> the reason you differentiate actually, uh, God help me, I know this. It's about like location mm -hmm. because impact play in general can encompass more than just the butt. <laughs> and that's my new ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> you going you... the butt. <laughs> Just for the record. <laughs> okay. I didn't that know if there was any more to that. We really got to thoroughly derailed this. <laughs> Drink in the movies. Taylor Baker. With a commanding performance by Bale, exquisite exterior cinematography wrought from natural lighting by Masanabu Takayanagi. And a committed turn by Melling as Poe. It's unfortunate that the pale blue eye is a meandering disappointment. Again, like there's there are some narrative issues to be had here with this story, but you know, he's not wrong with with his praise there at least. So, Rachel Leishman of the Mary Sue, the Mary Sue Robert Winfrey. You always have to do that one twice. The Mary Sue, as opposed to the Tray. Yeah, but <laughs> you can't actually differentiate in tone because your voice is so weird. The film looks so dark that it that it is often hard 
to figure out what is going on. Please stop making this oddly sexual. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to start that again. The film looks so dark that it is often hard to figure out what is going on. But the pale blue eyes as a whole. Yeah, the, the pale blue eyes as a whole works because of Christian Bale's performance. I, were you not this, paying attention? Was this too this, much movie for you, Rachel Leishman of the Mary Sue? This person's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, this is not difficult to follow. No. Um, let's see. Do you have any more women lying about? Or is there anybody else I want to make fun of? I mean, again, I'd really prefer that you stop phrasing some of these things so terribly. <laughs> Carla Hay of Culture Mix. The Pale Blue Eye is an engaging and stylish murder mystery with a talented cast that can keep people interested when the movie's pacing sometimes drags. The reveal scene looks clumsy, but the movie's an overall worthy version of Lewis Bayer's novel. Not entirely wrong. It's a little, that's a little bit sophomoreish in terms of your sentence construction, but that seems like a, a needless critique on my part. Oh, gosh. William Bibiani of The Rap, friend, uh, friend of the show via... Um... Is he, though? Is he? <laughs> Whitney Seibold. The best movie yet made about Edgar Allan Poe solving Edgar Allan Poe mysteries. Uh, you know, hang on. I, I, much as it's an easy thing to try and dunk on that, there's an entire cottage industry in the literary areas, like this is between like books and like smaller movies, of Edgar Allan Poe being a character and how he gets his inspiration for some of his stuff. Like the, people have tried to turn him into like a quasi Sherlock Holmes kind of thing, and in the respect in the respect that he's that he's bringing up of this subgenre, he is very right. This is easily the best movie featuring Edgar Allan Poe as a character. All right, last one. Jordan Ropp of the film stage. It's a compelling endeavor to imagine what Edgar Allan Poe would do if he was a character in a world inspired by his own creation. But the artistic divide between Scott Cooper's latest film and the macabre wonders of the author himself is quite a chasm. A number of you people have a very, very, very different perspective on Poe than what is actually real. Yeah. And it shows. It shows that a bunch of you had never really read his work or never seriously read it. And you think what he did and what he, like, again, you think his work was one thing when it's really closer to this. Well, folks, that is our review in totem of The Pale Blue Eye brought to you by Netflix. Netflix. That ends suck January. Fuck you! It's January. We are now moving. <laughs> we are now moving into February. Um, movies so, coming so, out. So hang on. You need another like angry. What's what is February? Like we need something else for February. I mean, no, but February good movie start. Like no, February, no. Ever since Deadpool, February. If yeah. the, the year look. Okay, you want to go? You want to do this exercise? Starting okay. February third, we have two. We have we have two decent ones in Knock at the Cabin and then um, Eighty for Brady. The tenth, yeah. the tenth, we have off. That's fine. But the seventeenth is Ant Man. Then Cocaine Bear. Then Creed. Then Scream. Then Shazam. Then John Wick. Then Dungeons and Dragons. Those aren't then... all in February. No, but I'm saying like February starts like all the good movies. I. Look, the good movies start coming out after February. February gets one or two. Anywho. So, maybe, so what, is it token February? Like, <laughs> something to tide you over? Token February. Watch it. Pigs in a blanket February. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, 
So uh, we did the Royal Rumble review earlier today. It was myself, Chris Bailey, and oh, Blackwell. You, you should have invited me onto that show. You should have asked to be on. I wasn't sure what time you were doing it, and... You know, I, you can text me when you have something other than negative to say to me, by the way. You you can, can just I, ask, you can just ask me questions like when are you doing the Royal Rumble review? Like everybody I, else does. Stop you are not at a shady Hawkins dance. Stop asking for me. Stop waiting for me to ask you to dance. Just say you what are you, my wife? And advocate <laughs> for yourself. Just tell me when you want something. Okay, stop projecting. No. <laughs> I behaved in marriage counseling today. I can do this now. I'm I'm owed. I'm so Mark, owed a tantrum. So, Mark, I think you and I should start couples therapy. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Why does everyone say this to me? I don't know, but that should cause you some self reflection, should it, it really not? Should. All right. Um. Uh, I was going somewhere with that. No, um, should, I should have invited you on the rumble. Because I don't worry yet, about it. Yet again, you were pained. I was not pained like that. That's me, like good naturedly, kind of joshing mm-hmm. you. Um, no, I'm talking about the just covering the rumble. Apparently, you had thoughts. Yeah. <sighs> well, I had to cover it, right? Yeah. Um, after look, I covered last year's rumble, the 2022 rumble, mm-hmm. which was so bad it should be studied. Yeah, and apparently led to like the lowest point of morale in WWE for like the last ten years. <laughs> yep. It was really bad. Yeah, so dude, th- that was the, that was the one that Bailey and Sheehan and I did. It was before I was social yeah. and my life my my life ended. Um, back when life we, was worth living. <laughs> yes, <laughs> back when I was happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anywho, I guess no one else is in the house with you at the moment. Oh no, they're all in the house, but I think everyone's sleeping or stop giving a fuck what I think. Um, or how I feel. Well, so anyway, well, uh, only one of those things would be new and relevant. True, but uh, we were talking like we, we were reflecting back on a year ago where Sheen and Bailey and I, the Posman, did the um, the commentary for the Rumble, yeah. and, ba- and Bailey put up like a picture of all of us like really into it and happy, and then like something happened later on in the show. You just see, nope, <laughs> it's like unhappy, dude. That. It- that that pit last year because the first match last year was Roman and uh, Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Good match. I want to say that was the women's rumble where Summer Rae came out and we questioned why she looked like Robert from uh, Roger from American Dad. Nothing, she's nothing but forehead, and she comes. Yeah. Dude, I apologize for my language. I'm going to quote her: "As the camera's on her, and she's sprinting to the ring, she's yelling, Fuck you, you bitch!' At Natalia." <laughs> And it's picked up on the broadcast. <laughs> that is fantastic. And she's immediately tossed out. Yeah, and then Ronda comes out and wins at like 28, and everyone's depressed. Mm-hmm. And then you have another stupid match. And then you have the men's rumble, where Brock comes out at like 30, and she. Everyone's yeah, like, I, I was screaming like. So I, I told the story earlier. Last year, like I was, I was like one of like 10 people on Earth cheering Brock Lesnar and wanting him to just eliminate everybody. And then he did. Oh no! I'm shit. I'm confusing that with 2020. Um, but yes, last year also he eliminated everybody, and it was fantastic. He, no, he came out at 30, mm-hmm. and the air went out of the venue because <laughs> everyone knew where it was going. Like, oh great, Brock again! <laughs> this means we get Brock and Roman again. again. And no, it was 2020 where right, 2020 he, had, he was number one, one, and yeah, and he wouldn't let anyone in the Rumble, and it was great, and I was the only, and I it was thought, a, no, no, like, that was actually, like, a good angle they had for mm-hmm. him, and when he went out, it made sense, like, right, he went out against who well won, won it, who then got defeated by the pandemic, 
Um, no, Drew, no, Drew's title <laughs> reign was defeated by the pandemic. Drew himself went on to win the belt. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you want to talk about a guy who had... Oh, poor just, Drew, man. Yeah, he had everything going for him, and then the world ended. And, like, what could he do at that point? But anyway, um, we reviewed the Rumble earlier today. Tomorrow... Oh, we're doing what were your thoughts on the Rumble? I Because I haven't been oh, able to um, I didn't think I thought the girls' Rumble shouldn't have... Um, I thought the girls' Rumble should have ended the show. Should have, Jesus Christ, let me try that one more time. The women's Rumble should have started the show. It it was mm. it was a solid effort by good workers, but there was not a single star in the rumble. And the only and the, when the, when your biggest star, when your coast to coast is Rhea Ripley, there's no reason why that shouldn't have just started the show. Here's um, okay, here's why I disagree with you on that. Okay. The WWE right now is walking a tightrope, and they're doing it well at the moment. But here's their problem. Who's the most over baby face in the WWE? Sami Zayn. Who's actually challenging Roman Reigns and is probably going to beat him for the titles at WrestleMania? Cody Rhodes. You cannot have those two near each other. At like mm. I mean at all in proximity to each other. Well, I think I think the way that I had I had played it out was do the women's rumble, then do Bray, then do um again, here's the problem. Do- then do the men's rumble, then do uh, Bianca Belair, then do Roman Reigns versus Kevin. I I think you needed the extra break between the rumbles. Yeah, mm. again, the the problem is like again, you can't have Cody near Sammy mm-hmm. at all. Or like they will turn up the crowd will turn on that in a heartbeat. And you don't want that. Right. So they they I don't know exactly how they're going to handle this. I have I have my suspicions. Yeah, we were pitching some ideas today on the Rumble but they've, review. But they're still kind of they are still currently navigating that path. Well, we're gonna have to see how that actually goes. Um, uh, yeah, I I gave I think I gave the first Rumble five, uh, four stars. The men's mm-hmm. Rumble, dude, Gunther, man. Oh my bless, God, Walter, bless dude. him. Yeah, He's the man. I, after <laughs> give I, after him I, all I, the belts. I was gonna say after I threw my giant hissy fit. Why, why did TikTok. you throw a hissy fit? Oh, I no, I threw a hissy fit because Brock got eliminated by Black Lesnar. Um, yeah, because Brock and Bobby Lashley are still feuding. Either way, I mean it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's like I'm just a huge hello. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> but, I'm asking um, you to step, just take half a step back from your irrational fandom. Mm-hmm. Half a step, not even yeah. a full step. Half a step back. It's fine. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. It was that was all me just having a big fanboy hissy fit. As Brock is smashing the ring steps on the announcement. Oh my god! What I really wanted to see him was end the rumble right then and there. Like, like, like they have to just stop altogether because Brock tore the ring apart. Eh. That's what I was waiting for. Like, just ripping up ring posts and shit. You are every bit as bad about Brock as Mm -hmm. Vince was about Hogan, as Dana White (laughs) is about Chuck was about Chuck Liddell. All right, tomorrow we're doing the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, it's supposed to be myself, Andrew Graham, Jesse, Robert Cooper, and okay, Jeff Swoboda. Last, Who the fuck last, knows that's actually going to happen? Yeah. Last thing on the Rumble. I need, oh I need your opinion on that. No, no, I mean this. Okay. Closing segments, like the match between Roman and Owens. Yeah. Better than average, three, three and a half stars. Oh, my God, that whole ending sequence. The closing the segment. Was, I was going to say, the closing segment was, like, the best thing on the show. That's the best thing in wrestling in, like years yeah I, t- I talked about that like like apparently the only angle worth talking about right now in wrestling is, is the bloodline it is it really is no mm-hmm. oh, that please kevin owens from me to you 
don't ever do that spot on the ring steps again. That was disgusting. <laughs> okay. I mean, like I, I don't, I've got a strong stomach, right? Mm-hmm. I don't wince very often. The first time Roman slammed him like that, I actually went, Oh God. <laughs> like, I, I, I may have nodded off. Um, all right, but that's that's gonna be it for the week. I'm re-airing the UFC 241 Cormier versus Myochic commentary that we did. <laughs> um, Robert's supposed to be putting up fucking everyone loves the bad guys. Tomorrow. Okay. I have all I've look, I've got tomorrow to do a bunch of other stuff. Like I have nothing else to do to, I should let me rephrase. Most of tomorrow is open, so I should be able to start going through that again. So good. Put them on the calendar, Mindy. Not that it um, actually matters. <laughs> Let's say, hey, look, we annoyed so, you annoyed somebody with that shield one. <laughs> That's great. What a ha- comment, dude. <laughs> people. <laughs> anyway, people of then, YouTube, you disappoint me, and I had reasonable expectations for you. All right, so uh, we have everybody loves the bad guy Saturdays and Metal Hammer of Doom Sundays. These are all re airs from the Block Talk Radio era. So for uh, the no of- one, I mean, come on, no one's watching. <laughs> so we've got Civil War. Um, the oh God, what was the name of that album? Civil War, The Killer Angels. Then we have our death retrospective that Robert Cooper did by himself. Then we have the 2013 year in review. And then we have our Slayer retrospective. So those those will all be Metal Hammer of Doom Sundays in February. And then um, next week, resuming I stay with my schedule, we'll be doing a uh, Black History Month starts uh, this week. <laughs> so <laughs> so what, wait, wait, are you in, so are you re-airing like you and Jason Teasley talking about Pootie Tang? <laughs> No, we got all new shit this year. Oh, tell me, Mark, how are you and some of your friends going to mark Black History Month in 2023? Well, the, the Black History Month shows are as follows. We have a triple feature featuring uh, Boys in the Hood, Menace <laughs> to Society, and Juice. Let me, myself, and Jason Teasley. Um, we will also be doing... Where is it? Where is it? Um, oh, a triple feature, uh, Foxy Brown... Shiva Baby and Black Mama White Mama. Those are all Pam Greer movies. You would not have been able to guess from the title. <laughs> <laughs> and then we are closing out the month of February, Black History Month, with uh, with a triple feature dedicated to Eddie Murphy. We've got Harlem Nights, Trading Places, and Life. Life. Arc. Life. Nelly. That was one Eddie more. Maybe, maybe I cut something is what happened because I had to make room to be social. Um, so anyway, so next week we've got our, we're kicking off Black History Month with with the aforementioned Boys in the Hood, Menace of Society and Juice. Then our review of Knock at the Cabin. And then uh, Alexis and I will finally finish up our Resident Alien season two with the, the second half of that. And then the history of boxing is back. We're going to be looking at Pernell Whitaker versus mm-hmm. Julio Cesar Chavez. Great fight. That's all I got. Tell it, do your thing. So, I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts action. Um, last week I mentioned I covered the 2023 Royal Rumble. That's it. My report for that is in the wrestling zone of 411mania.com if you want my log. And it was done live. So, and I don't edit after the fact, really. It's just copy paste when I do live. Um, I will be doing, in fact, right after we get done with this, I will be writing up my review for AW's Dark Elevation, episode 100. They did it. Mark, they did it. Yay. Elevation, hit the 100 mark. We're celebrating with a usual event. 
it's just another nothing special nothing special at all not a darn thing um mlw when they released stuff there was no episode apparently last week so i guess i was never given uh my shouldn't be a there shouldn't be anything funky but yeah i get i get early access to that um because mlw was cool I uh, did not get one last week, so I assume they had the week off. Uh, anyway, they, I believe they'll be back this week, so be on the lookout. If they put something out, I will review it. And WWE SmackDown on Friday. So, Oh, my God, I have breaking news. All right. Winnie the Pooh 2, horror sequel to Blood and Honey announced. <laughs> Some people just have too much money and not enough sense. Yeah. All right, you done? Um, they will be a UFC event on Saturday. I believe the prelims start at 10 p.m. Eastern. Mark, will you be staying up until 3 in the morning to watch this? Um, what, is it, this Saturday? It's headlined by Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. No, I will be in Orlando um, being social. I get the feeling that watching Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak fight the way they fight might actually be right up the alley of the people you're being social with. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, anyway, I will be covering that. Um, that also features all of the finals for the Road to the UFC series that was airing on Fight Pass. It was Fight Pass. Um, so a lot of like um, Southeast Asian. So there's like guy from India, a few Japanese fighters, a couple of South Koreans. Uh, one from uh, that's not the it wasn't the Philippines. Uh, I believe he's Laotian. I'll have to double check. Anyway, a bunch of guys from that part of the world are going to be on the undercard. It's not a great card on paper. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. In fact, it has potential to overperform. But I'll be covering it. It just was supposed to take place in South Korea. This was originally scheduled to be in Seoul. For some reason, they moved it to the apex. But because their broadcast time was to be aired primetime in, in South Korea. Here we are. And starting at 10 p.m. Eastern, the prelims, main card starts at 1 a.m. I'll be covering it. Um, and if you're interested in my thoughts on that card, as well as news of the week, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast every Sunday. Uh, late Sunday, early Monday morning. So this last episode, again, is a preview of the upcoming event and news of the week, including a bunch of stuff on Conor McGregor because he was accused of assault, got hit by a car, and is apparently coaching tough all in the same week. Big week for him. Big week. Really big. Really big. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Mark and I will be back here next week, as previously discussed. We will be talking about Dave Batista and Ron Weasley, menacing a nice gay couple and their adopted Vietnamese daughter. That's right. M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. Uh, sadly, no no doorbell at the cabin. Otherwise, it could have been M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong at the cabin. I will also have a brief thought on 80 for Brady. I'm sure it will... Con all I want it to be is you just unable to form a sentence as you laugh. Like whether that's because the movie's really, really bad or because you had a genuinely good time. I'm going to talk about sexual thoughts regarding Rita Moreno. And with that. Well, <laughs> dude, you, you and I have both seen Oz. True. It's not like, that far, not that she, far removed from reality. She was a, she was not a bad looking woman in Oz. She was a hot her, tomato. 
Dude, in her, like, she's in the original West Side Story. If you, she mm-hmm. was a very attractive woman in her prime, she and she was. has aged very well. She is a hot tomato. All right. With that, but we said, all know Mark's heart belongs to Lily Tomlin. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about her in the fucking Steve Martin movie. Um, uh, gosh, just where he's where, where like her soul like's possessing him, and he's like, I can't go in there. That's the bedroom. I don't know that one. So oh, I you know, hang on, real quick. Look it up. I, yeah. I, I now need to know this as well. Yeah, hang on. Steve Martin movies. I could have looked up Lily, Lily Tomlin, but I'm Steve, it's, it. you know Steve Martin in The Jerk. It's no, that's a, a great. That's also a great was, movie. Dude, that movie has the best opening line in history. Oh yeah, Steve. I was born a small. I was born a small black child in the South Side of Chicago. I was I was born a poor black child. <laughs> South Side Chicago, and, and it's just Steve Martin. <laughs> it's all of me. Night from 1984. Okay. You ever, you ever seen all of me? No, I have not. It's directed by Carl Reiner. Um, and yeah, Lily Tomlin dies and she's like a shrew and she ends up fucking possessing Steve Martin. Mm. It's like, it's great. Oh, I, I thought you, I thought you were making a bad joke about seeing all of you because of your penchant for appropriate public nudity. No, I have not seen all of you, Mark. Would you like to? No, I really wouldn't. Well then, uh, I think we should end the show. I prefer our relationship <laughs> to remain as it. <laughs> Why does everyone only want to have platonic relationships with me? Ladies and gentlemen, that is hard. I don't know, but it's odd that it happens that often. It should give you pause about yourself. That is our review of The Pale Blue Penis. (laughs) For Robert Winfrey, I'm Mark Radulich. The autobiography of Mark Radulich. (laughs) Be well, be safe, and behave.